welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montessi, joined by AFL legend Warren Treadray. Welcome, mate. Hi, Monty. How are you? Good. Thank you, mate. Now, let's start with your old club where there's plenty happening, as usual, it seems. been plenty happening all year. Now, Ken Hinckley, it appears, is about to sign a two-year extension at the time of recording. Uh, We're expecting that to happen today, potentially tomorrow, but most likely today. Uh, What are your views, Treaders? Oh, I went pretty public last Friday and said, well, if they're just going to announce Ken Hinckley as coach with no succession plan or Josh Carr's, you know, being the next person, then I think, why now? Um, I can understand the the angst around a coach being uncontracted so late in the season. Port Adelaide did better than the top four, so they'll at least have a fullback final. They'll play two finals this year. But for me, the question still remains, and, and I've never questioned Ken Hinkley's ability to coach a team in the minor round. The, the reality is he's got to three prelim finals, two of those as favourites, and hasn't been able to get the job done, and two of those at home, probably when the least affected team in COVID. So the the challenge here is Port Adelaide have jumped early. They talked about August, so there's now uh, information getting out that maybe they did a handshake deal about a month ago, which was before the August deadline, um, to extend Ken by two years um, in the in the last probably 48 hours, there was some info around, and I spoke about that on 5AA to suggest maybe there is a handover with Josh Carr because Josh Carr stepped out of the Richmond process. Um, but for me, the, the Ken Hinckley bit remains. If I'm Port's board and if I'm a board member, why did I feel like I needed to jump early? Did they feel like they needed that for stability or do they need that for other reasons that don't want a distraction? Well, the reality is it's not going to be a distraction if everyone knows on the same page you're looking to do it in the season. In that case... Ken Hinkley can cash in if he wins the premiership or Port Adelaide's not locked in if they fall short again because what we're in a situation right now, and I say we as a Port Adelaide person, there's this, if Port do really well, then no one's going to be happier than all Port fans. That's all we want, we want success. But the the, the question that remains is that Ken Hinkley is the longest serving coach in AFL history to get to a grand final, which includes not winning a premiership. Now, the previous one was Brad Scott. He left North Melbourne. And the, the fact of the matter is that is only going to be answered in the next month. So if you're a business, why are you in a situation where you're locking away a key asset when in a month's time, if things don't go well, touch wood that they, you know, hopefully they do. But if they don't go well, you can have right in the street from your footy fans because you've locked in a coach for two years who's fallen short again. I'm just trying to play both sides of it here. And this is the bit that Port didn't have to, but for some reason they're spooked and they've gone and done it. So you're not convinced that Ken is the right man for the job until he gets that ultimate success? Well, I think the reality is the list he's got, uh, he talked about the start of the year, best list he's ever had. I must admit that did shock me. Um, maybe he's seen stuff that I haven't seen. But we've been in a similar situation before like this. You know, I remember the the Richmond home final in 2020. Port had their chances to do it. Fall short by six points, six solitary points, and can't get the job done. I get that. 
the next year, talk tough at the week off, played the Western Bulldogs, got obliterated on their home field. So the facts are that they haven't been able to prove it. They've got opportunity the next month to prove that. So if you're a business, why are you locking in a key asset for two years? Because if it goes poorly, it's going to turn really quickly. That's all I'm saying is that we've seen it previously in the past. And if Ken didn't have a contract for this season, he would have been gone at the end of last year. That's a fact. And so, you know, you've touched on it. No official succession plan for Josh Carr. How do you believe that? I mean, he was cl- he was clearly convinced to stay. Well, he's been convinced to stay. There's an element family. You know, his wife's from Adelaide. He spent a lot of time in Adelaide. Uh, two parts as a player. First, up until the 2004 year where he was a premiership player and a great player. Went home to Fremantle because he's originally from WA. His wife um, obviously followed him back there. They've got four young kids. They've moved back to Adelaide. Uh, in the off-season last season. And when I saw that move, I thought, here's the heir apparent. Here's the guy that's going to take over from Hinkley, whenever that is. Um, but the reality is, I can tell you, I've spoken to some people connected to uh, Richmond. They're filthy that he's pulled out of the process because I think he was the early running favourite. Because if you look at him in perspective, you go, was an assistant coach at Port. He's a premiership player, which helps you get into the coaching realms. Make no mistake. He's then left Port Adelaide, gone and coached North Adelaide to a local premiership in the Sandford in the 2018 season, then went to Fremantle for three or four years as assistant coach. Their midfield's fallen off a cliff. Port Adelaide's midfield's gone through the roof. Now, it's an easy um, parallel to draw. Um, and you sit there and go, Richmond really want to speak to him. No, he doesn't want to move. I suspect there's something going on. I suspect there'll be some sort of process. But as it stands right now, everyone's saying that there is no... Uh, succession player at Alberton. Um, but Ken Hinkley did go on record postgame um, after the win against the Giants on the weekend to say, hey, for one of those things, a succession to work, you've got to have the pieces of the puzzle locked in. So I assume he was talking about himself first, and then maybe that's something they'll look at later. But um, if there isn't a succession plan here, there's an element of the poor fans are just going to be tuning out big time. Now, Damien Hardwick, it appears that uh, he is set to officially put pen to paper with the Gold Coast Suns. What does that look like? Well, it looks like probably a million bucks if he wants. Um, it just depends how much he wants to have on his footy department's fan cap because um, obviously part of that would be maybe Stuart Juice 300000 payout or is that into this year's budget? I'm not sure. You'd have to ask the, the sons on that. But he's got a five-year deal on the table. It's believed that um, he'll be announced pretty much next week when he gets back from Europe because it's a lot better to have him in the backdrop of... Um, Gold Coast Beach that it is for him to be on Zoom announcing this can be the new coach of the Suns and it's not even in the country at the time. Um, what is really well known in, in club land is the Suns have an extra million dollars a year that they can access it via promotional money. And this is what's funny. I've even seen Grant Thomas, the former St Kilda coach, and also vote AFL skeptic from some of the decision-making. Grant doesn't pull any punches and he's pretty much gone along the lines to say, okay, so the AFL doesn't have extra promotional game in Queensland, but AFL Queensland does who is funded by the AFL. So there, some people and, and, and someone in club lead said, well, he's always going to end up at the Suns. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, the talent they've got, the academy players they've got, and on the other side too, uh, it could be a five-year, $10 million deal because if you throw in the promotional money, you might have doubled his salary. I don't think it's going to be that much, but let's let's face it, there's, there's going to be massive resources thrown at it. Um, the AFL needs it to work. They need to work before Tasmania's ticked off. And let's face it, the Suns got close many years ago, and I think they haven't got any higher than 12th or 13th, which was under McKenna and Jew. So um, 
we'll see whether a uh, three-time premiership coach can um, do his magic wand on the sun to make Gold Coast a really competitive footy team. They've got the talent, but they just need the performances now. Absolutely. And now another ex-Portman, Josh Marnie's also on the move, heading to the AFL in that football role. What's happening there? Well, this is the bit um, was interesting because Josh Marty uh, was at Melbourne Footy Club. He left Melbourne Footy Club. Um, apparently, he went, then went to the Bombers. He has three years at the Bombers at head of footy. Fractured relationship with Andrew, Adrian Jodoro. And um, he's denied that he's headed to a, the AFL in a footy role. But now it's been reported that he's he's going to head to the AFL in a footy role. So it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, obviously, he's been... Um, yeah, he's well regarded. He's a really good fella, former teammate of mine, um, and he uh, he's one of those one of those uh, admin guys that you know he, he actually went to left Port Adelaide when he retired and went to, went under Dean Bailey at Melbourne as an assistant coach and did that for a number of years. So he's got a good grounding in the system, and I think he'll be a success. Now, Treaders, uh, we normally have a bit of uh, AFL system rant from you, probably maybe not every episode, but at least every second episode. Now you've got a massive gripe with the score review technology. Yeah, I think this is horrible. And when I say horrible, it's got the potential to cost a team a a final. And we saw it in the game last Friday night. It, it wasn't good enough. Yes, Carlton gets the job done, but Melbourne should have got the job done. We've been talking about scoring tech for years. Uh, I've been banging on about it. Has it been in, what, six, seven, eight years? Oh, I don't know how long it's been now. The cameras aren't good enough. Um the argument for a long period of time, and I had this from inside the AFL, is the AFL think, well, it's not our job to put this on. And the broadcasters, potentially, you know, in this case, it'd be Fox or 7 going, hey, it's not our cost to put this on. Um, this is a technology of the game. So whilst we're arguing about who pays for what, we're going to be in a situation where the game is still compromised because how would that be if that's a grand final? You know, you'll have a riot. It's disastrous, and I get the cost is huge. I've heard it's over a million dollars plus, because if you look at the grounds they're playing, you're going, oh yeah, well where we need it? Well, we can't just have it for files. Oh, we need it six cameras. Okay, where do we play games at? Well, we play them at Adelaide Oval. We play them at Perth every week. We're MCG, Marvel, Geelong, Ballarat from the odd game, Giant Stadium, SCG, Alice Springs, some games, Darwin, some games, the Gabba, the Gold Coast, Hobart, Launceston. We even play in Cairns, so it adds up a lot, but. If the AFL's serious, they've got to get this sorted because every time you close is on the vision, it was a game I called on the weekend between the Giants at Port Adelaide and Adelaide Oval. They zoomed in. What does it do? It's frosty imaging. You can't see. It's not super slow-mo. Like you can see in cricket, the super slow-mo camera picks up a lot. And if it doesn't pick up a lot, then that is the challenge. The other bit that really frustrates me too is why is an umpire expected to make a call? Like here's a good example. Monty, you're the goal umpire. The ball comes in, is it touched on the line or not? And you get knocked over. The umpire gets to come up, right? And you go, oh, I think it's, what's your call? Well, I actually can't make a call because I got knocked over and didn't see the ball and the players either touched the line or didn't. Was it touched? I don't know. So this is the point. The AFL makes the, the umpires make a call. Why do they make a call? Yes, I think it's a goal. Okay, I just need confirmation. That's fine. I think it's a point. I need confirmation. That's fine. But if I don't have a call, why can't there be a no call? So that then it goes back to, if there's no sufficient evidence, it's a point. right? But the, the fact that you've got to make a call, sometimes it's just impossible. And I think on the weekend, there was another case of, oh, yeah, I think this is the call. And that's exactly what happened. It's just not good enough. Yeah. 
No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I think if they're, if they're serious about the product and the game, um, you know, it's, it's obviously the the result and also just the, the experience for the viewers and the fans as well. They just got to get this right. But now, Treaders, we've got to move on and talk about the Matildas. Uh, obviously, everyone in Australia quite literally has been talking about it, watching it. Gosh, I don't even, I don't remember, uh, you know, a team that has ever been so popular or, or captured the nation. They've got the semi-final for the Women's World Cup against England tomorrow night. It's the hottest ticket in town. So much so, Treaders, that some uh, cheeky Matildas fans have uh, nabbed some tickets that they weren't supposed to. How'd they do that? Did they get a barcode or something, did they? Yeah, so what's happened is uh, there was an allocation for England fans. It was a little uh, little coupon code that they were able to use, dedicated fans in a dedicated zone at the at the ground. And anyway, somehow on social media, that code has got out and Matilda's fans have nabbed them. So there was 2,000 tickets made available, supposedly for England fans. And now you're going to see a smattering of uh, green and gold through the dedicated England section and you've got some pretty filthy English fans right now. We just love razzing them up, don't we? Yeah, it's baseball all over again, wasn't it? didn't last long after the ashes, now we're into their face. But too bad if you're one of those um, fancy arty people goes, oh yeah, we'll put the England people there and the Australian people there to spell a word out. You know, some of those stadiums, yeah. <laughs> not, not going to work. But yeah, everyone will remember where they were. I'll be, I'm honest to say, I was streaming it on the 7 Plus app on my phone. We had three of them go. It was my mother in law's um, birthday party at the Ming Palace. So the whole family was there. But we've got three different, and there was another big table at this Chinese restaurant, but there's a heap of people on this big table, probably 40 people on their table. And they were watching off of a, a phone as well. What was funny is we're all on different streaming because someone had paused. The kids were trying to get it perfect. So it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, three different groups were going, yes, we scored, no, we won. But it was phenomenal. When you talk about some of those numbers, whether it was streaming or not, 7.2 million people, average of 4.17 million viewers. This is the biggest audience since Kathy Freeman ran the 400 um, in the 2000 Olympics. And it was different back then. You know, there's different options now. There's streaming, there's live TV. Yeah, you can even watch it through your Foxtel if you really want to do it that way. So Optus has said it's their third biggest stream ever plus hundreds of thousands at live sites. So you look at you know, all the different places around uh, the country that are, you know, I know the South Australian Premier is putting on two more locations for the next game here in Adelaide. It, it's been phenomenal. It's been an overwhelming success. Did we expect them to go well? Well, we hope they were. We knew they're a good team. Did we expect them to play so well without Sam Kerr playing a key role, who's arguably our best player or is our best player? Well, no, let's be honest. We thought, geez, we were worried about that first game. But since then, it's almost like a whole nation is right behind them. Um, yeah, I still remember when I was at the Olympics in, in 2000 I remember um, I reckon it was Darling Harbour I was watching uh, Kieran Perkins take on Grant Hackett Grant Hackett won on the big screen at the Olympics so those memories you remember everywhere you've been so now it, it works out that it's actually Monty been an absolute steal for the Seven Network because there's word around that they only paid $4 million for their piece of the broadcast rights whilst Optus pays $13 million for the whole lot I get Seven Abs and got the whole lot they've only got certain games here and there and some people will whack them for, oh, they're not showing this game versus this game because all of a sudden now we care who we're playing and we want to know who you know, the opposition teams or who's the star for England. But the reality is um, it's been an amazing business by the Seven Network and those numbers, wow, that's off the chart. And in the digital space, they can send more ads, spend more ads than anything. Pop up yeah. little screen, 
that can keep throwing you mean left, right, and center. There's nothing that they can stop in terms of. Whereas if you do that on a broadcast free to air network on seven, keep throwing 30 second ads, people will smash their TVs. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I think even, even Optus buying a whole thing for 13 mil, like that's cheap in the scheme of things. Like it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are for, for future World Cups. Uh, and, I, you know, as we talked about, I think last week, the, the impact that this Women's World Cup is going to have on the future of women's sport and probably sport in general in Australia. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to measure, but it's going to be incredible. But there's a there's a classic story, though, Treaders, of uh, poor old Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce went to the pub to watch it and uh, ended up somehow watching the wrong game. I don't know if you saw this, but the pub that he went to... The, the pub that he went to obviously didn't have the rights to it or whatever. And so they were playing a, I think it was a uh, Matildas v. France friendly where the Matildas won one nil. So poor old Barnaby sat through that and he's thought, oh yeah, we've, we've done it right here. We're all sweating. He's missed the shootout. He's missed everything. And um, the poor fellow actually talked about it in a, in an interview. And I think he's been made to look like a bit of a goose. Well, this is what's funny though. That pub, it's going to look like a goose. We should be naming and shaming this pub because how hard is it to flick the seven plus? Really? Because yeah. it'd be live. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we talk about some of the money and we get into all that sort of stuff. 7.6 billion economic boost it has for retail for the travel sector. Um, 4.5 billion for travelers and foreign exchanges. The state-by-state breakdown, which sheds a tear a little bit for me as a South Aussie, than you as a South Aussie, even though you're based elsewhere, but South Australia have made 160.9 million hosting four matches. WA hosted five matches, 663 million. Obviously, the flights are a bit more expensive. Um, Queensland, 1.55 billion hosting eight matches. Victoria, 2.3 billion hosting six matches. And what about New South Wales? 2.98 billion have hosted 11 matches. So that's serious money. And that's, we, we keep getting back to it. That's why the government's pitched so hard to get these major events. When you talk about major event, there's no bigger event than a World Cup in soccer for women. But you, know, you, you talk about the little bits we've, we've chatted about, gather around, we've talked about state of origin, we've talked about all these bits and pieces, and, and that's what they want. They want a night spent, and night spent means accommodation, your flights, your food, and it has just been crazy. And the beauty of this event is so many people now travel uh, overseas to get to Australia to watch this, whereas in the other events we've talked about, it's all inside the uh, the walls of the Australian continent. That's right. And those numbers are, are sure to grow as well because we've still got a bit of time left in the competition. Um, push from the uh, Prime Minister Albanese to have a public holiday if the Matildas win. I hate that. I hate him. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that, but I just hate all this virtue signalling, posturing crap. Oh, I saw a tweet the other day, Monty that said when he was in opposition, if I'm ever elected to be Prime Minister of Australia, I won't be one of these coattail hanging off Prime Ministers. Well, mate, that's all you are. That's all you are. And even Sam Kerr, did you see Sam Kerr's hug with him the other day? He was on the on the green stuff. You know, unless you're a player or an official, stay off the green stuff. That's the grass. That's for the players. Officials, stay off it, right? Particularly if you're a hobnobbing Prime Ministers. He went to hug her. She was like, Oh, go away. She gave him a hug and he wanted to chat. He clearly wanted to use it for his PR purposes. And she's like, we're just one through. I couldn't care less hanging out with you. Um, yeah. And it just frustrates me. Just stay off the green stuff. Yeah. Let the people do what they do. 
and in terms of the public holiday, not to mention the uh, the economic cost. Um, yes. Yeah. Just turn turn off business for a day. Yeah, no worries. Don't quite think that one through. But anyway, in terms of the, uh, it's worth also just acknowledging the bonuses that are at stake for players. Now, if the Matildas get through and, um, you know, win the whole lot, the players individually will walk away with about 402,000 Aussie dollars each. That's a, that's a healthy bonus. But what's great as well with the Women's World Cup is all the players who are involved in the competition, 732 players will all get something, some sort of bonus. But what's interesting, Treaders, is if we uh, come back to netball, where the Aussies have dominated and again won the uh, Netball World Cup uh, in the last couple of weeks, what's their bonus, Treaders? Have you got squat. that now? Yeah, squat, diddly, diddly squat. Can you believe it? I think they've won 15 or 17, top of memory now. I remember seeing it last week, World, World Championships in netball, World Cups in netball. Our girls get nothing. Not a brass riser. Not a cent. Bro. That is an absolute disgrace. Nick Thalara rabble. Yeah, they've got a long way to go. Um, yeah, pretty disappointing for the players, but um, but hopefully, hopefully things turn around because as we always talk about, there's just so much potential there. In the meantime, uh, we've got another World Cup looming. The Australian Boomers, they're stepping up their preparations for the FIBA World Cup, which takes place at the end of the month. They smashed Venezuela yesterday in a practice match, 97-41. They take on Brazil on Wednesday and South Sudan on Thursday. And I know we're going well, Monty, yeah. when Matthew Dalla is being cut from the squad, from the reduced squad. And, of course, there's no Aaron Baines, so there's a changing of the guard of this. We see the Boomers in that transition. Landau's got an ankle injury, but should be right to go. But that's a sign of how strong we are. Yeah, you know, and yeah, you know, sadly for Delhi's on the towards the end, not not to the start. Great team player, and obviously that would all be taken into account. But the reality is, he, if he can't find himself in the best part of that squad, well, we're sitting pretty good. That's right. Now, speaking of sitting pretty good, every I feel like every couple of weeks we're talking about Cam Smith making more money. What's his latest traders? Won his third live golf event, and it's actually the first time his team has won. Um, I think he's the Range Goats, or so I can't remember which team. They've got some weird names in this live, but his team hasn't actually won yet. So they're the, the they finally won the team. So not only do they make uh, the individual money, um, which he won the tournament, so it's his second in just five weeks, uh, taking out the Bedminster event on Monday. He'll pocket the winner's check of US four million bucks. That's six point one five million Aussie. And his uh, team of Aussies, which Mark Leesman is in there, they won the top prize of the event with giving an extra 750000 So they've each got an extra $1.15 Aussie dollars, uh, million dollars each. So Mark Leesman and his Australian team are doing quite well. So Ken Smith's had a, uh, an interesting challenge, hasn't he? He's only got, what, $7.3 million in his Honestly, pocket for, for four days' work. The amount of coin he's making, it's, it's insane. And it's just... He only talks about millions with him. Yeah. It's all about millions. Yeah, and not to mention this word around that he got about four to five hundred million to sign on. Yeah, this is just out of this world. And obviously, we know that the FGA and Live are going to be merging soon. But you know, for a guy that was struggling to win the Live events, he's, he's come good. Um, yeah, the international soccer, you know, I follow that. Uh, Harry Kane got to Bayern Munich. Uh, he's already played his first game in the German Cup. A hundred and seventy million dollar transfer. 
Uh, what I did find interesting from highlights of his first game is he thought there was a penalty shout. He went to talk to the ref and realised he didn't speak German. So that was a challenge. So his teammates come up and, you know, they do. They abuse the ref and why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? His four-year deal reportedly worth $20 million, uh a year. That is pounds. Um, that is huge money. Um, and, you know, obviously Ange's uh, Spurs um, made their debut as Ange Postacoglu's Spurs without Harry Kane. Uh, Brentford locked it to 2-2. Two, two. The big one, too, now is we've seen Ronaldo go off to uh, Saudi Arabia. We've seen Carlo Benzema. We've seen Kante. We've seen all these gun players go. Well, there's another one who's on the verge of leaving at this time. Uh, to agree that he's got personal terms of agreed and also a transfer fee to Paris Saint-Germain. And that man is Neymar, the uh, highest-profile Brazilian superstar who many years ago let Barcelona... Um, to want to be the star of his own team and out of uh, Leo Messi's shadow for about two hundred million back then, but his word around it, it'll be eighty-five million uh, pounds transfer and a two-year deal and a hard two-year deal with no right to extend it uh, of thirty one hundred and thirty-seven point eight million pounds per season. Multi, my gosh, the poor bloke though. Downside is he's only the third highest paid there. Oh, sorry, second highest paid there because uh, Ronaldo is huge money. Benzema's huge money. Um, but yeah, Neymar sits in the middle. So that's just astronomical cash for two years. Good old and Al- Halal just making a name for themselves. Oh, Halal are dominating. And also, too, they, they tried to um, get involved in the uh, Mbappe situation, too, because Mbappe was going into the final year of his deal with Paris Saint Germain. And they said, we'll buy it for a year and then you can go to Real Madrid. But that common sense looks to have uh, cancelled itself out. He's now no longer trading with the bees at, uh, at Paris Saint-Germain. He's now kissed and made up with the owner, even though the owner knows he's going to lose him for nothing next year. Oh, well, there you go. Now, uh, even in the UK, they're still spending some good size. Yeah, um, Moses Casido, who was um, played at Brighton, I think they bought him for £3 million. They've just sold him for £115 million to Chelsea. Um, Chelsea cleared the, their, their uh, spending by uh, selling half their players off to uh, Saudi Arabia as well. So, eight-year deal with a one-year option. Uh, Chelsea breaks its own transfer uh, transfer record, which was £107 million last year on Enzo Fernandez uh, after the World Cup. So, this is unbelievable. And the big, the big one is uh, clubs love PR, Monty. They, they love good PR. They don't like bad PR. So, if you're into Miami's keeper, it wasn't a smart move is questioning that the club is not ready for Messi. The stadium is only temporary. We're building a new one. The game is not ready for it. Yeah, you know, we've still got um, the other stuff he mentioned. We've still got artificial ovals, artificial turf ovals. Well, that Inter Miami keeper has been sapped by Inter Miami. Yes, don't ever don't, speak out it. Don't speak out of it against City Hall. We don't want any negativity about this this messy fairy tale. We've done very well. They've managed it beautifully. Uh, it's it's come across as the perfect move, and Messi is just—I don't know if you've seen any of the highlights, but he's just yeah. as you'd expect, kicking goal after goal after goal. It's absolute poetry, and it's like we don't want anyone saying anything even slightly negative. Get out, sir. We don't need you. Move on. It, it's exactly, and it's so pre-orchestrated. Like you look at Messi's score, then the camera, and he hot, he points to David Beckham. Yeah, uh, pre-game a couple of days ago. Kyle Kuzma, who's um, who's an NBA superstar, um, he's he's dropped in. All of a sudden, he's he's high five and he's Instagramming. Uh, Kim Kardashian rocks up. 
Um, Brad Pitt rocks up. LeBron James rocked up last week. It's like, ah, oh, this is this is like the um, Hollywood Walk of Fame, just going to Miami just to pretty much get floating to watch every game there is. It's unbelievable. It is orchestrated and it's a huge PR affair. But, you know, when you're spending the dollars that they've had to spend and investing what they're investing, you want to extract every single commercial opportunity you can out of it. So uh, bad luck to Inter Miami's keeper. You have to learn to... Uh, toe the party line next time at his next stop um that's just that's just sports business right absolutely and, and this is the other bloke I and mean, this is maybe why he's done it you know we go to basketball james harden tensions between uh, the philadelphia 76ers and their star player james harden have exploded why harden has got plans to you know take his trade and buying off a move to the la clippers but it seems the 76ers or 76 should i say Planned to hang on to him and bring him into camp. Well, he's now slammed the team president, Daryl Morey, who said he's a liar and he'll never be part of an organisation that he's part of. So he's pretty much said, let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar and I'll never be part of an organisation that he is part of. So it's fair to say the LA Clippers will be welcoming uh, James Harden to to their court pretty soon after that. Yeah, you know, they do say that, you know, no... No man is bigger than the club. That doesn't apply in the NBA. It's the psych. You know what? No, I've said I wanted to go and I will kick up a stink and I'll do it publicly and turn this as ugly as possible until you uh, allow me through. So that's what uh, old Jimmy Harden's doing. Yeah. And it's amazing, isn't it? His form's dropped off, but still his attitude has. (laughs) Normally people do that. And this is what I always wonder. I know it's the American the American way, the American industry. But there was a thought many years ago that if a bloke's going to create a ruckus at another club, that he's always, he's a very good chance of creating a ruckus at your club. So, um, or your team. So be careful what you wish for here. Um, Now he was committed to Houston, signed a massive deal with Houston, and then all of a sudden wasn't happy at Houston, wanted to get out. He went to the Nets, wanted to go to part of the three-peak team with Irving and Durant, got there. That didn't work. Blokes talked through their toys out the cock. Then he ends up down at Philly, loves it at Philly. Now hates it at Philly and says, this guy's a liar, now he'll be elsewhere. It's all about money. It's all about chasing championship. That's right. Well, Treaders, that uh, completes our wrap for this week. Plenty going on as usual. And I'll have uh, all the details, including the embedded video of Harden's rant, if you're interested in in our wrap, www.thebigdeal.au. Just sign up and you'll get it in your inbox. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.